Hey folks, not feeling real well this week. Uh, so just to get something out there, I did a uh, recording with Nikki P of the Peace Freaks podcast where we talk about this uh, science fiction show, The Expanse, and I uh, already had it in the can, and I guess I'll just go ahead and release that for today's episode. So we'll come back uh, next week with uh, all new episodes and everything. But uh, for this one, just sit back and relax and listen to a couple of dudes uh, talk about a sci-fi show. So let's, let's dig in here. Why not? Um, so I asked Eric on so we, someone will finally fucking talk sci-fi with me. Yes. And so I, I asked him, dude, we got to go over The Expanse because I've been geeking out for months on this show. Gary over at Nerdrotic turned me on to it as he probably has turned hundreds or thousands of other people onto it. Right. Because I, I would have assumed it was crap because it was initially a sci-fi show and those are all crap. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. I mean, if something says sci-fi original on it, it's like, okay, well, maybe a few episodes will be good, but <laughs> you never can tell. I mean, tell. I, there's wasn't, – wasn't Warehouse 13 sci-fi? Yeah, it was uh, – I want to say that came on like right after the uh, the reboot of Battlestar Galactica at one point. Okay. I liked Warehouse 13. That's I, I did like that. I didn't like its like sister show, uh, Eureka. Yeah. I thought that show was kind of stupid. <laughs> <laughs> but but I did like I did like Warehouse 13. I discovered it after it was already canceled. Luckily, yeah, uh, <laughs> that's how that's so how most ho- of us find them. So my hopes were not high for um, the Expanse, but I, I got lucky in that it actually turned out to be, in my estimation, a pretty fantastic show. And I think pretty fantastic because. It is. It's more along the lines of a classic old school sci-fi where they're really interested in like the particulars of the science. Right. It's like I class I classify it as a hard sci-fi. Um. And in the the way it's funny that the way in which they do that is to have people. They don't focus on like special people. They focus on like normal Joes and kind of weird circumstances. Right. Or dealing with the realities of a slightly different world. And this, this, you know, I think all the good sci-fi movies do that. I mean, when you think of aliens, like you think of space truckers just sur- surviving, right? And and this particular show isn't a whole heck of a lot different than that. I mean, essentially they're ice miners. That when the show starts out, yeah, it's there's a uh, a common theme that uh, kind of develops in most of the uh, sci-fi stuff where everything is kind of earth based. Is we're gonna go out to the to the asteroids or whatever, go mine a whole bunch of minerals or ice in, in this particular case, and then it's going to get shipped places. So it, it kind of follows along with the crew on that, and I was like, okay, well, this is kind of interesting. Because uh, yeah. at so first, I, I didn't watch the show, and then I was like, okay, well, Nikki P can't shut up about it, so I guess I'll have to go watch it. So, <laughs> And then here we are. <laughs> yeah. So the, the reason I'm really interested, in, especially for, like, Given the context in which we're talking about it, is the first thing like it, right from the get go, like they set the politics are going to be such a huge part of the show and kind of force a lot of what goes on. Right, a lot of the big themes are war and you know population diaspora. Like it, it's it in a very real way deals with a lot of the shit that we have to deal with right now politically, and I enjoy that it doesn't feel forced. Uh, it's also interesting to me that it's probably one of the most diverse casts I've ever seen in a TV show. Yeah, it's got a little bit of everybody in there, doesn't it? Yeah, but it doesn't ever feel like they're forcing it on it. It just, oh, hey, we happen to choose a bunch of diverse actors, not like, let's fill the quota, you know? Right. (laughs) So I, as someone who cares about social justice, but doesn't want to, like, thinks it's stupid to force people into it. I, I like the subtlety and nuance of which they do with that. There's also some fun things that you'll notice like kind of later on. Um, I'm going to try and like 
keep spoilers out of this as much as possible and just kind of let it run with us. Right. Because <laughs> full disclosure, I've I've watched the first four seasons and I think I'm like three books after that. I've listened to the audiobook stuff. So I, I, I followed the story pretty far ahead and I know yeah. where it's going. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um so it was, but I will say it was really interesting. I, I actually sat down and watched the first episode, which is what we're going to be talking about today on the, um, what do you call it? I sat down and watched it yesterday and it was interesting going back all the way there after having gotten as far into the story as I have. Yeah. That was like, kind of see where things are getting set up and. <laughs> well, it's that, but moreover it, for me, like there's a lot of relationship stuff that happens, you know, as the characters develop that I got, I completely forgot about. Like, I, I, and by the way, I have, I probably, it's only been six months since I discovered the show. Mm. So you kind of so tore through it even, pretty quick. <laughs> oh, dude. I, once I started, there was no stopping me. I was like, oh my God, where's this going? <laughs> um, although I will say everyone tells me how, how slow the first season is. And I don't know that I get that. I didn't think it was that slow personally. Yeah, uh, everyone's like, oh, it's, a, it's a it's a slow build," and I'm like, ah, "I don't know." Maybe, but I'm very predisposed to old school sci-fi. So, yeah, uh, for me, I was watching it and kind of going into it. I was like, "Okay, it's a new science fiction show. They're going to have to do a lot of world building, a lot of exposition." So, yeah, those first few episodes can be a slog to get through, and uh, that's what I kind of know. And that's pretty much true of any kind of show you're going to watch. The first three or four episodes, I mean, they're going to be building up to whatever mid-season climax is going on. But yeah, that, for this one, it was, uh, I think, about episode five when things started to come together. It was like, okay, no, we're, I think we're done telling the, the backstory. Let's get well, into to, to story uh, A and let's run with it. I'm going to be honest. I don't know if they're ever really done telling backstory because they've done really good to <laughs> season by season kind of bring out elements from the past. Oh, okay. And that like they they bring out like the, the, the characters and, and I, I was one of the interesting things. First off, I watched the first episode. The actual crew of the ship doesn't get much screen time in that first episode. It's mostly focused on right. uh, the main character. And I thought that was, I don't remember that, but it was very interesting to go back and see that. <laughs> I think maybe each of the other crew members might get like a total of five minutes in this, in the episode. Yeah. Thomas Jane gets to distract you with his ha- haircut in the, uh, in the first episode. And you're like, oh, God, and it's so, he looks so fucking cool. <laughs> I was like, oh, I remember having that haircut in high school. <laughs> he's he's such a badass. Yeah. There was a reason why he was the Punisher. Not the best Punisher, but he was the Punisher. It was I, I, I think that movie gets uh gets <laughs> shit on on perhaps for I don't know, I liked it. I, I, I don't ha- I never had a severe attachment to the character. Like he was never one that I resonated with. Yeah. And so I kind of enjoyed that. Plus, I'm okay with any movie that has John Panette in like the featured role. Yes, exactly. Uh, that movie was a uh, kind of kind of bizarre because like, half the time it's like, okay, he's like trying to meld in some spaghetti western elements to this, but I can't get over the fact that the Punisher is in Tampa, Florida. Yeah, <laughs> and there's a certain element of that's where I grew up, so <laughs> that part kind yeah. of felt okay about it too. It's like I oh, hate Florida, I mind you, but. <laughs> Yeah, it's not everybody's cup of tea, that's for sure. If I were to say the, the hardest part, isn't John Travolta the villain? He's never played a convincing villain ever. <laughs> it's like, so, you're, you're getting mad and your pitch on your voice is going up by several octaves. I don't get this. Yeah, he He's never never convinced me, that's for goddamn sure. <laughs> so that's probably I think, the worst part of that fucking movie. Yeah. Um, so... Uh, back to yeah to the expanse. I'm I'm curious. Already so how, 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 yeah, how far into this did you actually make it so far? Uh, today I actually wrapped up season one. So oh, good I got Lord. I got all the way through it. <laughs> I had uh, what you, what? taken about a week or so to get to at least uh, episode six, and then uh, work got crazy and was doing crazy amounts of overtime. So I kind of catch it here and there. So like some episodes I'd start watching and then pick it up a couple days later. So that that's never good. <laughs> <laughs> so what 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 are your thoughts and ha- having ended season one uh yeah it was definitely a, a a slow build at least for me uh i think by about episode five and six is kind of where everything started to come together as far as their story and you know only 10 episodes uh they get to it real quick after that because then you know they uh they find out what's actually going on i'm trying not to 
deliver any spoilers myself. And then uh, a lot of uh, Liberty themes start coming up in there. It's like, oh, well, we got uh, corporations uh, kind of fooling everybody into thinking that there's some kind of attack going on and blaming one party versus another. And it's uh, it was like very reminiscent of the USS Maine for the uh, the Spanish-American War. There's a, a lot, yeah. a lot of that. And, that, and that's like I watched – you, you you'll get into it like the basics like the, there's there's three main parties in the entire show that part we can spoil yeah it's not um essentially you have they kind of actually tell you in the first episode anyways you've got earth yep you've got mars and then you've got the belters yep and essentially like you have earth is basically they sent people out into the universe and they tried to colonize mars well mars as any colony would do goes and says well fuck this we we're kind of going to do our own thing and we're going to be our own thing and tough titties yeah and so mars creates its own government so essentially pulls a you know it's very reminiscent of the whole english you know english um empire right where essentially mars would be the the american colonies are like well yeah you may have started us but yeah we're here and we're us so deal with it we're leaving right now then you have Essentially, as the people go out in the diaspora, they, they move out into the outer belt, and they're the people that actually do the mining. Now, these are people that, because the distances, like, they live out there, they procreate for generations, and they essentially become a different people. Yeah, their language is and, different. They even start to look different. Well, and you, and, and you see in this first, especially in the first episode, like, like their their connection to Earth is completely gone. You can tell, see in the way that the i can't remember what her name is um the leader of the un essentially is torturing one of the belters and all she's got she's got two uh hooks hanging on a wall right and just has it and has his has arms draped over it yeah she's and just she letting just gravity do the hang, work yeah yeah she doesn't do shit because like essentially without gravity human beings grow, grow taller and they're like they're, everything stretches out on them their spines kind of change and whatnot right and you know so all she like their lungs and their bloodstream doesn't work as well in the actual gravity anymore because it hasn't had to do it ever and so it was it was interesting to see like oh like they don't have to do much this like there's a serious home court advantage in this situation now we gather all that from what is a torture scene by the head of the un yeah <laughs> Yeah, played by uh, Shori Agadashlu, um, who sounds like she has smoked a pack of cigarettes every day since the age of nine. Uh, God, how hot is her voice, by the way? <laughs> yes, exactly. Oh my God, I wish all women could talk like that. Yeah, I uh, uh, I get turned on by the Kathleen Turner voice myself, so it's uh... <laughs> no. Well, it's funny is because like she's like I think she's playing a character significantly older than she is, based on what I saw, as I've watched a couple of that or a couple. Like Comic Con events, I think that they've done. Yeah, and she looked significantly younger in person, so I think she might just be playing older, or she's had a bunch of work done. <laughs> <laughs> well, she is Persian, and you know that's like the home of uh, all of the good uh, plastic surgery now is in Iran. So, <laughs> really, I'm just unaware of that. I, yeah. I I know like I I kind of always just assumed she was Indian, but I, I can't tell one from another like honestly and it's terrible because i see so many uh arab and indian people in my day job yeah they uh i guess in in some respects that uh, she is playing an indian uh in this show like her last name is avasarala okay uh, i think i'm pr not pronouncing that correctly yeah but she herself is persian i mean she she escaped from iran in the early 80s so that's actually really interesting yeah um well it's kind of funny like i don't know that they actually ever get into this in the actual show, so I'll, I'll say they're part of the the way the actual story is on Earth in the series, and, and they never, I don't think, touch on this. Um, and it's it explains if you ever in the first season, did you get a sense that Alex has a bit of a Texas accent? Yeah, a little bit. He's he's definitely got some kind of Southern thing going on, and it's you know living in the South, it's definitely a little bit overplayed. But uh, you can easily explain that, like uh, it's four hundred like, years in the future. Four hundred like, years in the know, future, maybe. you know, people have uh, probably evolved. <laughs> well, and linguistics and well, will definitely change. 
Well, and that's there's also a part of the reason is, is because the the way that the storyline actually goes is that he like Indian people essentially take over Dallas, I think is what it is. Yeah. And so Dallas, like the whole Dallas, the whole Texas thing gets fused with Indian culture. And so you'll notice that like a lot of Indian people as they're portrayed in the show actually are like, they're like this weird Indian Texas hodgepodge. Yeah. Um, it, it is kind of uh, interesting to, to see. <laughs> Well, and it's because it's one of the things that I think that they play with really well in the show. And once again, why it's hard sci-fi is that like they get into like these little little ideas, like so hundreds of years in the future, and you know humanity's made our way into stars. How are the intermingling of people? How's that going to work? I mean, this you know would be a prime example of like say what the what, what are those assholes that uh, the white replacement people you know that are afraid of being overtaken by minorities and that. Oh, the alt right. Uh, yeah, <laughs> the race realist. But, yeah. Well, what's interesting to me is that, like, so th- in this, in the particular, they actually painted as not being the Mexicans that take over. They painted as the Indians, or maybe it's like after, maybe the Indians or the Mexicans are taken over by the Indians after that. So it, it were it's it plays some interesting like themes along the political lines, and and we also have the situations now where you have basically a truce between earth and mars right and then essentially like the free like the belters just want freedom from both of them they're like we don't want any part of your war we just want to be free people yeah but but it also blends in that whole well you're here because of corporate interests i don't know if that rings bell, bell for anybody else like yeah. say <laughs> all those people that paid or got paid you know the colonies were came over and started businesses and you know, well, well, now we have business interests over here, so this is ours, not yours. I'm like, yeah, but it, we're here, so yeah. yeah, it's like we're actually doing the work over here. You're just kind of like an absentee landlord. Well, and 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 that's, I guess, my favorite part. If you go back to see see, see her, episode one, uh, they set it up really early. I guess that's my favorite thing about this was that it set up a lot of very fair scenarios. I thought normally when yeah. when you get into politics like that, there's a clear perspective of like oh you know we're so great and this is the way this all needs to be done and you know blah 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 and i thought that they played their hand very fair in the show yeah it was a you can kind of see where logically this would kind of happen if uh you needed uh deep space mining operations you know you would have some kind of colony built on and you know in this case it's uh you know a dwarf planet series and uh you're going to have to have one of those little outposts set up. And then eventually that's just going to get, you know, people there because that's where the money is going to be at. You know, everyone's going to be looking for that hot space job. And, you know, and uh, hundreds of years later, you know, then things are just kind of build up into its own little city. Um, so the yeah, I mean, it, it is it's, it's it, I think it's very realistic in that. And the politics never really push a one way or the other sort of system. And that I really appreciated that. Like, I think like they like, normally in one of these shows, if they're made with like what I, what I would expect to happen is that they would kind of paint the UN as being Starfleet prior to where we're at now and make right. it, you know, this benevolent government and all, all governments are the greatest things ever, that kind of deal. No, they definitely show the, uh, Earth being run by the UN is maybe not the nicest place ever. <laughs> you know? Yeah, at least as far um, as political intrigue and everything else goes. Well, and that's exactly it, it. It definitely illustrates the way that control and power, the way that they, even with the best of intentions, corrupt. Yeah. Like, I, I don't, I don't get the impression that anyone in the, like government, like that, at least in their situation, it's not that the people are evil. It's just that when you boil it down to everyone's interests, like they're going to you really get to see, oh, well, if you're going for what your interests are, you're kind of going to naturally end up in a certain place. Right. And I really appreciated that. Yeah, but they didn't really go uh, too in depth on the first episode. They just kind of present it as is. (laughs) And then it's like, yeah, here's the three parties. This is what's about to happen. You know, just kind of setting the stage for everything else. Um, 
yeah, most of the first episode is just them on a uh, on a on a mining ship, and then essentially the plot is that they get a distress signal, and so they they're sitting there, they're they're in a company, and they they have the most like mundane company discussion ever as a worker. It's like, well, do we tell? They, they have the do we tell the boss about this or no? Right. You know, we had a we, we had a we had a workplace accident essentially, and who do we tell about this? Yeah, we ignore it. You know, chances are it's it's gonna not hurt anybody, or people that are already hurt are just gonna continue to be hurt, kind of thing. Yeah, that's a little bit you know, of a we, wink and a nod. It was like, well, we're not gonna file the report if we don't have to. Yeah, yeah. Well, because like, it amounts to like you know they lose their they lose their bonus, you know, shit like that. Like, which is a very real kind of question. It's like, you know, do we stop production? and lose out on like the one little bit of a way that we get ahead or not. Right. And so they, they opt to, you know, go and <laughs> they have to ignore it, but one person can't ignore it. And that happens to be Holt, our, our esteemed hero. Yeah. Be, who's just got handed, who literally moments before just got handed the, you know, the, the supervisory job, that he didn't want because the former guy went insane and he's just been there long enough. They can't let him keep shirking the responsibility, essentially. Yeah, it's like, well, you've been on all these other ships and you've demonstrated the fact that you, you have some kind of leadership capability. And this guy just went nuts and, uh, you know, started shooting holes in the uh, in the uh, in the screens and everything else. Uh, th- I think in uh, one of the last episodes I was watching, there was talking about him like petting his uh, little porcelain dolls or whatever, and like talking to them <laughs> as a sign that he was about to go nuts. And I was like, "That's that's a big flag." <laughs> well, yeah, and and when they get down there, he's like got the dirt, like he's just standing in dirt with a little plant in it, and just kind of like talking to himself, right? <laughs> and and you know that that's another one of those like subtle things that i like it's just you know how would something as simple as just not being able to even see plant life how does that affect you you know i'm someone who spends a lot of time sitting in front of a computer screen kind of just indoors yeah but the idea of never seeing that stuff really just sounds awful like it, it, it really does yeah like try to imagine like only working the night shift but uh, the times that you work are only right after sundown and right before sun up and you never really get to see the sun. You know, you can look outside, but it's all dark. You know, the yeah, definitely such a thing as seasonal affected disorder, you know, <laughs> with the people who get like snowed in like days on end, you know, you kind of go nuts a little bit. Yeah. And well, let's, let's amplify that times. Like you're <laughs> yeah. hundreds of millions of miles from anything resembling a plant. Right. You know, you, you could take a walk outside, but you know, it's a vacuum and uh, <laughs> your blood will boil and within minutes, you know, it's a, uh, you just can't so, get away from it. So essentially, Holt ends up at the end of the episode. He ends up being a whistleblower. Yeah, and everyone's pissed at him because, oh God, now we we're all going to lose out on our bonus, and we may we we may get ourselves into a worse situation going in looking at this distress signal. But because he called it in, they have to deal with it. Right. They can't ignore it because now, you know, international law would get involved in it, essentially. Yeah. And the one thing that they brought up is like, yeah, it's probably pirates. They do this all the time. <laughs> you know, it's a little bit of a yeah. norm- normalcy bias going on there. Yeah, exactly. Like, yeah. you know, this is this could just be, you know, a distressing setup to draw us in and steal all our shit. Because that's, you know, when you're out in open water away from like a serious functional legal system, you know, or police force. You know, you're going to have people that take advantage of the ease of things. And I also yeah. like the idea of space pirates. So, <laughs> <laughs> Well, you know, what is what is a space pirate exactly, you know? I think <laughs> the idea of it's funny because it's like it, all of a sudden we're back to the we're back to the 1700s, you know, or yeah. living life kind of like <laughs> like that just because. Yeah. Um, so. So they, you know, they're all pissed off. He lets one person, Naomi Nagata, know that they're going to, that he's the one who did it. And she's like, I'd keep that to yourself if I were you. Because yeah, she knows everyone's going to, yeah, everyone's going to be pissed at him. She's clearly a little pissed at him. And, you know, you don't want to piss off somebody who's fine as Naomi Nagata, I'm saying. Yeah. She's actually a little lady. Um, 
so, but what what ends up being is so they go out there and they find this ship, and while they're out there, all of a sudden, uh oh, was it? It was it an ambush? Somebody's after us. We've got we've got incoming. Yeah. And yeah. near miss. In fairness. <laughs> yeah, near miss. Well, that the uh, ship that they were going to go help gets blown up. It's it's not the ship that they were going to help. Actually, <clears throat> it's the ship that they were on because they actually take took uh, they actually take a small like, oh, yeah. a, like yeah, a, right. a smaller ve- they, they take a smaller vessel and leave their main vessel so like you don't have to waste all the fuel going and doing that. You know, hey, we got one. We get this close, and if something happens, like we can be the we, like the essentially we can all die and save the main you know save the ice save the the product. You know, we don't want to lose the company money. Right. What ends up happening, however, is they end up getting bypassed, and the sh- like the actual ship, the company ship, gets blown up. And so, at the end of the episode, they're kind of out there, they're alive, kind of because he made this shitty call. Yeah. But all all of the people that were on their crew are now dead. Yeah, it was a uh, <laughs> it's definitely kind of a thing because the when I was sitting there watching that part of the episode, I was like. Uh, I was like, okay, what just happened? Why, why did they blow up that ship? <laughs> I need more answers, damn it. <laughs> well, and I, that is one thing that the show in general does, is for every answer it gives you, it, it, it definitely continues to set up way more questions. Like, okay, yeah. that makes sense. But where, why is that? What, when, where did that come from? <laughs> what, are we, what are we doing here? Yeah, that's a little bit of a Pandora's box. I mean, okay, all right, now you know what's inside the box, but there's tons of stuff in there that you have no idea what's about to happen next. Well, and and, and it, they start out with so many questions in this episode because so they go and they find this ship that has nobody living on it, but they find a distress beacon. And one of the things they noted the the big the big question is who shut off the reactor? Yeah, and, and shut it and down properly. Locked. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and and I think like, you you will eventually understand why that happens. Just, you know, we don't find out yet. You know, basically it's we're we're setting up uh oh, we have a crew on this tiny ship and they're in a weird situation. Something that pops off. It it's I find it interesting that like they, they it's written in such a way like you have this very, very stark moment is that Holden can't do he can't ignore people in trouble is the, is what they set up yeah even if it means you know he's gonna get get lit up he's the kind of guy who just has to kind of stick up for other people yeah probably because the uh the way that the uh, the world is built uh as they were setting it up is uh you know everyone's kind of out for themselves on, on the belt and everything so it's probably the reason why he likes going out and working on a crew because then he can back up his friends and whatever. So it's just that type of personality. It was like, okay, well, this person said help, so I'm going to go help. Because yeah. <laughs> nobody else well, is going to. What's interesting, I think, with his character is honestly the fact that... So he he's an earther. Yeah. And and he basically is out here slumming it with the belters. Yeah. And so there's a lot a lot of situations in which later on he'll... like he's not gonna, He's very difficult for people to trust because they hate earthers by default. Like these are the people that have oppressed us forever. Um, I'm not saying it's allegorical for anything. <laughs> so even if he's a good, even if he's a good one, he's still one of them. You know, yeah. he's going to be carrying um, a lot of baggage just from the association. Yes. Now, since you were mentioning, like everyone's kind of looking out for themselves, we cannot ignore the main, like one of the main characters in this first episode, and that's, as you said earlier, Thomas Jane. Yeah, Miller. Who 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 plays Miller, the detective? And God, they set it like right in that first seat, first episode. They set it off. What kind of world we're in? And you know, he, he doesn't even seem odd or abnormal. Like he even gives a couple wink nods to it that they don't like police much in this world. Yeah, <laughs> um, they make no you bones know, about he's, it. <laughs> he's he's taking bribes like within the first ten minutes of the episode. You know, and then he, but he, and he's double crossing the people that, he, that have bribed him. Like he's just doing so much that you know he he's not exactly. I don't know if you want to think of him as being a a bad guy, 
but he's he's not certainly not the best guy. True. Now, I think you I think you learn over time that he there's more to him than that. It's just this world that he's in kind of makes him that. Yeah, it gets uh, alluded to in one of the later episodes uh, when one of the other characters starts talking about the game. And so it just seems like a Thomas Jane's Miller character just is kind of playing it. Yeah. Like yeah. It, 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 it's like if, you, if someone else is going to take advantage of me, so I have to be the one to do it first. So at least I've got my piece. That right. they're, if they're going to take from me, I'm going to have more when they take from me. And I assume everyone else is doing the same because they have to. Right. And it, so, seem, it seems that way. <laughs> everyone living in close proximation to each other like that. You know, it's a, uh, yeah, there's going to be a little bit of uh, get ahead ism a little bit. I'm I, I don't know. Oh, yeah, I was gonna say, I can't I can't remember <laughs> where season season one even ends because Miller's story takes some weird turns. Let's put it that way. Yeah, it, it kind of goes in a roundabout way. But uh, having just watched the uh, the season uh, finale, I was like, oh, okay. But we'll we'll talk about that another time. <laughs> <laughs> For sure. All right. Well, is there? I'm trying to think. Is there anything else specifically we wanted to get into in this one? Like, part of the problem with the episode one is it's like it's it's such an introductory episode, and they're trying to fill in so much space, right? That you don't get a whole lot of meat to kind of chew on. It, it, it does set up some interesting, like you said, some interesting world building. Establishes it is it, at least does a very good job to establish kind of the political order and the types of people in there we actually haven't seen much of the martians in episode one yeah they just get mentioned a lot yeah yeah um which which i think is also another interesting thing about the show is that it does a very good job of kind of illustrating that everybody has their own perspectives and like justifies their actions because of you know who they are and where they come from yeah it's a and yeah, first couple episodes, uh, you know, like I said before, it's just going to be all exposition. So you're just going to have to get, you know, buckle in and get ready, you know, take notes like I did. I was like, okay, well, this is the OPA, and this stands for the Outer Planets Alliance. So now I'll know what that means when they keep referring to it over and over again. <laughs> and the and the A, anytime you see it, like spray painted somewhere, that's it's the anarchy, <laughs> which I kind of like. Well. And I, they don't get much. I don't think they got much into it in the first season. But that actually does. That will take a front and center position yeah. moving forward. I, I can tell you that much. So obviously, the the ways in which they kind of portray that are were very interesting to me. And like I said, a lot more fair than I think people um, would normally give credit for. Like I said, I it's very difficult to tell what kind of political angle the the, the showrunner is coming from in this. And to anyone who watches Doctor Who and has followed it for through seasons eleven and twelve, I gave up the first episode of season eleven because it was it was not being uh, not being it was a little too transparent in what its message was. I, I, it wasn't even bothering with the story at that point. I said, "Not nah, a hell with this." I was willing to uh, give it a you know a go. I didn't, didn't really care about a female doctor. It didn't bother me. <laughs> No, they're just going to beat you over the head with it. Well, it wasn't even that. Like I, I could have dealt with dealt with that. Yeah, Jody's pretty pretty attractive. I can stand to look at her for a while. I personally would have preferred Olivia Coleman as the as the doctor. I think she would have done a much better job at it. But you know, you get what you get. You go with the star power, and they just thought Jodie Whittaker had the star power. Yeah, but man, it was it was literally the dialogue was so cringe inducing that first episode. Like pre, like just. <laughs> If you could have written a an intersectional politics handbook, just just say fuck it and just hand them the dialogue. You know the, the it's transcript like had, of that episode. It's like they had the uh, intersectional wheel of fortune behind them, and they were just like spinning it while they were writing it, <laughs> and and just you know xing it off and just moving to the next one. It's like, okay, we covered they, this small little sliver of society that only accounts for like point zero zero one percent. We got them. <laughs> yeah. Well, and I, and, I, and from what I understand, it's only gotten worse. I think they said season twelve has been a little bit better in the writing, but not so like, yeah, not not, not enough. Like it's the, the damage is done at this point, and they're gonna hemorrhage until they die. Yeah, I just remember watching Doctor Who on like the uh, public broadcasting in the eighties, 
Uh, and we just always thought it was like the weird British show with the guy with the crazy colored coat and everything. And we were just like, Stun, hey, yeah, Stun this is kind of weird. Right? Yeah. So we and were all see, like, uh, it's like, okay, well, this is just kind of a weird show. I don't understand why dad likes it so much, but, uh, you know, whatever. <laughs> I, I didn't understand. I didn't, I'd never seen an episode, I think, until it was, um, the 11th doctor, Matt Smith. Yeah. I think his first episode in like 2011, maybe. Yeah. It seems 12. like it was probably right around there. I, th- uh, I want to say they almost brought it back in like 2008. That sounds about right. Yeah, um, and with so, that one and British I didn't actor s- who hates everything that he's in, Eccleston. Yeah, I don't know much about him, but oh my god, watching um, his interviews are insufferable. <laughs> really, just a ditch. Yeah, um, and so I actually missed him, and I missed Tenet, and I came in with Smith, and I loved Smith. I just loved everything. I loved the character instantly. I loved what they're doing. I thought. Like I like the way Smith played the character. So whereas everybody love has their favorite doctor and it's not Smith. Yeah. You know, that's just who I came in at. And so that's always kind of who I judge doctors against. I really like Tenet. Yeah. But honestly, my favorite part of Tenet was, uh, fucking Jack Harkness. Yeah. And they even had a, a side, uh, a split off show that was on. Oh, uh, Torchwood's great. Yeah. Torchwood. I, I didn't like it when they kind of started working with, stars and made it like american yeah they were trying to americanize it a little bit too much yeah it was i watched it it was okay but it was it was not near like the first two seasons were very british and like they're fun it it was very x files y and you know they didn't they towards later in the season it got less it got more serialized and less monster of the week yeah and I, i think shows that do that always suffer you know X-Files was much better the more monster of the week it was. And when it started focusing too much on, like, the broader picture, it's like, ugh, gross. Yeah, like the uh, – <laughs> with uh, the X-Files, he always had story A in the back. You know, there's this vast government conspiracy to to hide the aliens and hide the UFOs and everything. But you always mm-hmm. had that monster of the week story B line. But at the end of the episode, we would kind of show how it tied in, you know, to story A. And then in the later season, it just kind of got a little bit out of hand. I think you're right on that, especially after the the first movie came out. Yeah, it's just everything is the back is the backstory, and you're like, okay. Uh, another great show that I think fell prey to that was Fringe. Yeah, the, the X Files replacement. <laughs> yeah, I loved Fringe for for two seasons. Yeah, it was, Fringe you was know, awesome. a lot of, mo- and but then they get too much into the whole espionage between the one world and the other world and it's like i don't care that much about this just give me cool ideas to chew on i guess that's the thing is what because at a certain point when you do that it becomes it becomes not a sci-fi show it becomes a political intrigue show yeah yeah you could have left like the observers being like this weird thing that uh, people kind of notice when something strange happens you know they're they're kind of like the men in black of the show yeah, it's just oh great. So this is all that now. Yeah. Um, but it's funny is that like with something like uh, the Expanse, which is an overtly like, politics is overtly front and center in the show. Yeah. It still feels like, and and maybe it's because it's handling the politics at a higher level than those shows ever did. But it's it's very much. Um, it, it doesn't bother me when the show gets all waxes political and whatnot. Yeah, probably because it's uh, a little bit far removed from what we have right now. And I don't think, you know, even in 400 years that, that the U.N. will even be a thing, much less running the entire planet. But, uh, uh, you know, God, we can hope. Yeah. <laughs> but it, it, it does get interesting to watch how it, it's playing out on this thing as, you know, one of many possible futures, of course. No, for sure. And, you know, I, I still love that. No matter who's in charge, there's this idea that some people are going to want to be free. Like yeah. that, I guess to me, that's my favorite thing about this 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 series is that it doesn't matter who's in charge. There are those who want to be like just no, I don't want any of that. I don't care how far I have to go. I don't want to be under anyone's thumb. Yeah, even if I've got to go all the way to the outer planets, you know, even on like a uh, a clear night, you couldn't even see me. <laughs> you know. Uh, it does yeah. kind of appeal to to some of us a little more uh, liberty inclined. It's because uh, you're sitting there watching it. And it's like, man, these people had to spend, uh, you know, what today would be a couple of years to get out there in the first place, much less build a society around it. You know, that's a uh, 
Yeah. That's kind of an undertaking. No, it's uh, it's it's something, and uh, you'll like I said to to pre- kind of preface things. They really like really play with the politics in interesting ways, moving throughout the series. I, I know one of the other things is like, so I think in season one they really go they really go hard at corporations and how corporate interests are kind of evil. Yeah, but there's a certain degree to which. I think they at least hint at. I don't think they're explicit in the way like you or I would probably be that it's not that the corporations are evil, it's that the corporations have power and the government is that power. Yeah. Um they 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 do get more explicit with that I think way later in the series. So yeah, um that definitely it's, seemed it's like that was the direction they were going in by the end of the first season. But uh yeah, we'll have to We'll have to dive into yeah, that we'll, one on future episodes. We'll, 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 we'll have to get there. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, all right. Well, is there anything else you wanted to add since we since we got it here? Uh, no, I guess I can give like the particulars of the episode. Uh, it's, uh, the title of it was Dulcinea, uh, directed by Terry McDonough. Uh, it came out uh, December 14th, 2015. And for a premiere episode on sci-fi, it actually had over a million viewers. So I thought that was kind of interesting because normally they don't get uh, shows that big. So I think a lot of people well, were looking well, forward to it. Well, and what? So it, it, to also let people know, so the show was actually canceled on Sci-Fi. Yeah. Um, and thanks to uh, some some people on Twitter and on the YouTube, they actually managed to get the show picked up by Amazon. Right. I think a lot of that has to do with the fact that Jeff Bezos himself is actually a big oh, sci-fi Oh, yeah, meet. he's a big space nerd, too. So Yeah, so I think a lot of it has to do with, like, oh, wait, there's a great sci-fi show out there. He may have picked it up just because he's the richest <laughs> man in the world, and it's a good sci-fi show. And I want to put money into it, you know. <laughs> well, I mean, in, in, it's, in a way, it's like, so you have this, what, what is a sense, it's a great show, but, I mean, it's on a dying a dying platform. You know, they made it on, they made it on a system where everybody is moving away from. So even yeah. in the best of situation, like had this come out probably 10 or 15 years beforehand, like yeah. it, it might've had a shot to do some serious numbers because people still watch TV, but nobody yeah. watches TV anymore. At that point, so, we've all been going firefly. What? Uh, <laughs> and I don't know. I don't know about all that, but yeah, <laughs> God, Firefly is so good. And my, my favorite meme to, to give out is is the uh, might have been the losing side. Not sure it was the wrong one. Yeah, exactly. It's the I, I will comment creed. that on. Yeah, I will not. I'll throw that on everything forever. Yeah, I aim to misbehave. It was another one of my favorite qu- uh, mal quotes. <laughs> I know the worst part is is like even if they if they chose to bring that show back for whatever reason now. Yeah. Oh, you know I, I it would be, be it's just SJW'd up the wazoo. I, I I wouldn't even I wouldn't even want it. Yeah, especially like with Joss. Like, yeah. Uh, like I I don't I still don't know how they've managed to keep Rick and Morty as pure as they have, <laughs> given fucking uh, Matt or Dan Harmon's particular interests. Uh, Dan Harmon is a is kind of an odd duck in that whole thing because uh, his character Rick. Uh, you know, probably a little bit closer to what libertarians would think is a libertarian. And then, you know, in his, uh, when he had his uh, podcast, Harmontown, he would just get off on the whole, you know, lefty progressive stuff to, to the nth degree. And you're like, it's like, are you even paying attention to what you're writing? <laughs> well, yeah, they have, they have him right. Well, but then again, he doesn't, Rick isn't written as being a good person either. No, no, no. He's kind of a scumbag. Yeah. Yeah, they have him written to be a scumbag, and maybe that's kind of the way in which he handles it. Yeah. Uh, it's like, um, kind of like uh, the Ron Swanson character on uh, Parks and Rec. You know, in the first season, you know, he's upset that he got shot in the back of the head with a shotgun because the guy didn't have a hunting license. And I'm like going, a libertarian would <laughs> would say, all right, well, great that you don't have a hunting license. Still, you shot me in the back of the head. You know? <laughs> yeah. Um, well, I mean, I could go on forever about the Ron Swansons and how they they – well, I'm excited to have a libertarian character in the show. They really don't understand what a libertarian is. Yeah. Like the fact that they have him kind of like, like he's his he's really into 
generals is one of the things they make yeah. out. Like he's really into military generals. And you're like, I don't know that any real libertarian would be really into that. So, I mean, <laughs> well, if the we, internet has taught us one thing, there's no real libertarians ever. <laughs> there is that. So I guess I guess we have that. Yep. Maybe that's his, his one deviation is that he likes war for the sake of cool guys to worship. Yeah, sure. You know, he's got that poster of uh, George's Patton. Yeah, <laughs> why not? <laughs> yeah. That part always just struck me as weird. I'm like, ah, this is what people think we are. We're just like people that love companies and and the military or something. Like, yeah. That, that really, it's really not it. <laughs> yeah, I think the episode where uh, the one former uh, Parks and Rec director was uh, smoking a dube and he threw up his hands and he got mad. I was like, no. <laughs> No. <laughs> We'd have been like, yeah. oh, wow. But you were doing that on the job? That's kind of weird. <laughs> I mean, if you got away with it, you got away with it. Yeah, sure. Not like anybody noticed. <laughs> Park still <laughs> opened on time, I guess. <laughs> so. All right. Well, we have diverted oh, yeah. quite away from what we're talking about. So that was, uh, that was our take on season one of episode one of The Expanse, folks. Yeah. Can't wait to do uh, we'll about be, episode two. <laughs> <laughs> we'll be uh, we will be putting these out. I believe weekly would be the idea theoretically. Yeah, and I think we'll, do we say we're going to be alternating them between uh, your feed and my feed? Um, yeah, we can do that. Or do you want? Or do you want to? Or do you want to put them behind a paywall? I, I think more people will hear them if we put them out in feeds for sure. Uh, you know what? I will just release this as a as a episode for next week. Not but not the one coming out tomorrow, but uh, definitely next week. I'm gonna do that. Okay. I mean, I'm gonna really. I'll just release some bonus episodes on my feed. So yeah. you're just looking ways to get out of doing it. Sure. Yeah, and that'll work. And God, I can't. I can't blame you. <laughs> Any way that I can make work, less work for myself, <laughs> I, will, I will shirk it. I'm gonna be honest. I'm terrible at that. I I only do things that make more work for me. Yeah, that's a that's a constant struggle. It's like uh, I want to do a whole bunch of stuff with my podcast, and then it's like, okay, that means I'm going to have to re- record like bits and clips and stuff, and then get them in. So editing is going to be a nightmare. <laughs> Got to keep track of uh, times and everything, or when I want to splice in that cut or whatever. Well, you uh, just gotta you gotta outsource your editing. <laughs> no, I, I no, <laughs> I can't do that. <laughs> Come on, you got Podsworth Media. Yeah, yeah. No, not going to do it. And then that way I have more work. Oh, that way you have more work? Yeah, that way I have more work. <laughs> I didn't know you were the one behind Podsworth. I'm not. Oh, okay. <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm a guy who's, who's doing some work for some people. Oh, okay. I got you. And, and libertarians seem like more fun to work for. Yeah, definitely. Definitely. So. Yeah. If the, if the entire world can just be operated by libertarians, it would be great. No, maybe. I mean, theoretically, the whole world wouldn't be operated by libertarians. I know, that was, that was... It'd just be left to do what the fuck it was going to do. <laughs> Tongue firmly planted in cheek. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, one of the That'd craziest awesome. things I ever saw was, uh, he's like, well you, well, you kids grow up and pick an ideology of how to run civilization. And we're like, yeah, we're kind of not about running civilization at all. Yeah, I don't want anyone to run it. I yeah. just like to... You left the fuck alone. Exactly. I'll run my own civilization called my house. <laughs> you know. And if I'm doing uh, that so. and you're doing that at your house, then guess what? Everything will be fine. Oh, that's so funny. Yeah, it's, uh, it, it, it'll, it'll happen eventually. I have faith. I do too. Maybe not on this planet. Maybe on a Mars colony a hundred years from now, run by our great-grandchildren. Oh, how much how, you you clearly didn't watch much about what they think is going to happen on Mars. <laughs> no, well, yeah, my my whole thing is uh, red faction. You know, Mars will eventually just break away and become its own thing. Well, <laughs> you know, I, I didn't actually think about that. And to preface for those of you who are here for politics, it is a, it is odd. The, it's not odd the direction that the red planet goes, politically speaking. <laughs> Yeah, just a, a little bit uh, full-on communism. <laughs> yeah, I, 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 just, I don't know why I didn't put that together when I was watching the series, but The Red Planet. Oh, yeah, that would be a commie planet, wouldn't it? Sure. <laughs> I, I, I really want to talk to the, the creator of the show and just find out, like, 
what are you saying? Yeah, what are you saying exactly? <laughs> what are, what are your political leanings? It's very. Di- I mean, that's awesome. It's so difficult to really decipher that. Like, yeah, people being able to keep an agenda out of things is so hard. So God bless them for doing it. Yeah, it, it gets rough. I I kind of want to sit down with the uh, with the Russo brothers at one point. I was like, okay, come on, you can take the mask off. I know you guys are libertarians underneath. Which one? Which one did they do? They did uh, Winter Soldier, was it? Uh, yeah, they uh, started, I think, with Winter Soldier, and they also did uh, Civil War, which is probably one of the most libertarian Marvel movies ever. You know, but uh, yeah, I even in some aspects of Infinity War and uh, Endgame, you know, you're kind of looking at it. It's like, eh, okay, there's there's quite a lot of themes <laughs> in here that they don't really explore. They just kind of like, oh, and here's this, by the way. Um, do you, you do you listen to oh god what is their podcast the um governing ourselves podcast uh that's the one with the uh, two former mormon that that are now atheists yes yeah yeah i do um they they actually did one i think it was was it on the winter soldier it was either on the winter soldier or i think it was the winter soldier yeah i think they did the one on so, uh winter soldier and, they also and, did know, one kind of, of, some uh, of the in there. yeah. They also did one of the of the Doctor Strange Love, which I which I thought was kind of funny. But uh. that I've never seen Doctor Strange Love, so it was it, it was interesting to hear somebody talk about a movie I've never seen. Yeah, because <laughs> then your imagination is going to have to fill in the gaps. <laughs> all I know from Doctor Strange Love is that they did that they did an, an homage to it in the movie. Um, in uh, Armageddon, yeah, like where Steve Buscemi is riding the uh, the atomic warhead. Yeah, there's a little bit of an homage there. Uh, you know, no nukes, <laughs> no nukes. It's like, but nukes belong in space. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, all right, bud. Well, I think that's about it for today. Yeah, I think we chased down a whole bunch of rabbit holes, not related to the yeah, expanse. Yeah. So, our episode on the expanse was expansive. It's gonna I, once I, I, I'm I, I could go so many places with it. It's just trying not to get too far ahead of ourselves. That's true. It's, That's a little bit hard to. It's like it's like I'm track. I'm like, oh, I know where this is gonna go, and like, there's so much there, but we have to wait until it happens. Yeah, exactly. It's like I want to talk about the season finale of one. Uh, it's a lot of crazy shit happened. Okay, well, <laughs> well, you know, you know how we do that. I go like this and do this. 